Greetings, you're listening to podcast number 155 of Blast the Right. I'm your host, Jack Clark. Great to have you on board. Today, more on the healthcare debate, more right-wing lies debunked, more hard-cold facts you can throw at your friendly local right-wingers to stop them in their tracks. Let's get right into it. Your sources today include the New York Times, MediaMatters.org, CommonDreams.org, The Economist, MSNBC.com, CNN, The Nation Magazine, The Washington Post, The San Francisco Chronicle, The Globe and Mail, a Canadian newspaper, The CIA Factbook, USA Today, and Reuters. I usually try to vary the issues from podcast to podcast, but certain times you can't do that. The healthcare debate is dominating radio, cable TV, and the water cooler wars like nothing else. So, here you'll get some new facts, hear some points made in prior shows amplified on, and see how to go on the offensive in your discussions. Today's show stands on its own. For the most comprehensive take on the entire healthcare debate, I strongly urge you to listen to podcasts 152 and 154, as well as today's. Check out all three, and you'll be armed and dangerous, figuratively speaking, to go verbally kick some right-wing butt. To start things off, what would any episode of Blast the Right be like without one of Sean Hannity's patented misrepresentations of the truth. Take a listen. And tonight's Universal Nightmare segment is brought to you by the UK's National Health Service. A British man named Mark Watson visited this hospital to have his appendix removed. Now, to his surprise, he returned to this very same hospital a month later with a ruptured appendix. That's right. The first time around, the hospital actually didn't remove Watson's appendix. And when he went back the second time, he got an infection, which sent him back a third time. And the result, he lost his job. Now, Watson told the London Daily Mail, quote, I had a temporary job at a sports shop. But when I took in two medical certificates saying I had my appendix out twice, well, they didn't believe me. I can barely walk. I'm in constant pain. Don't worry, though. A a spokesman for the hospital had the following to say, quote, we would like to apologize if Mr. Watson felt dissatisfied with the care that he received at Great Western Hospital. Well, that's comforting, isn't it? Just think, in just a few short weeks, all Americans can be forced into a system just like that one. Hannity misleads his audience three ways here. Did you catch them? To start off with, He implies that the British system is rife with such medical errors, while ours isn't. Yet, many countries with universal coverage do far better than us in avoiding medical and surgical errors. In fact, the best estimate is that 100,000 Americans die every year from preventable medical errors. Next, Hannity says Americans will be forced into a different system. Someone please buy Hannity a dictionary. The word option, as in public option, means you choose whether to proceed along that path. No one forces you to do anything. Finally, Hannity says that what health care reform will give you is a system just like that one. Wrong. The British system is true socialized medicine, nationalized medicine, where the government employs the doctors and owns the hospitals. No one is proposing that for the United States. The public option would be a choice to enter a single-payer system. That means you choose the private doctors and private hospitals you want, and the government pays the bills. 
Medicare is a single-payer system. And we all know the horrors of Medicare. Just ask any senior citizen. In case you don't know, Medicare is extremely popular among the 65-plus crowd. Now, here's a related point. By showcasing the alleged faults of other systems, right-wingers are making the case that we have the best health care system. Sometimes they make that case explicitly, proclaiming that we have the best health care system in the world. Yet, the facts are, surprise, surprise, otherwise. Overall, experts analyzed various studies that compared national health care systems in developed nations. The conclusion was it's a, quote, mixed bag with the United States doing better in some areas like cancer care and worse in others like preventing deaths from treatable and preventable conditions. The bottom line was unmistakable. The analysts found no support for the claim routinely made by politicians that American health care is the best in the world and no hard evidence of any particular area in which American health care is truly exceptional, close quote. What about the two bugaboos of the right? Canada and Great Britain. In many areas, Canadians receive better care with better results and longer survival periods. Renal dialysis, kidney transplants, childhood leukemia, colorectal cancer. Bottom line, according to the CIA fact book, hardly a liberal source, Canadians overall enjoy over three years longer life expectancy than Americans, and the Canadian infant mortality rate is far below ours. And this is with Canada spending about half what we do per capita on health care. Even in the horrible UK, with true socialized medicine, which to stress again, no one is proposing here, even in the horrible UK, British citizens on average live longer than Americans and fewer UK infants per capita die before the age of one than do American infants. And yes, the UK spends less than half what we do per person on health care. Even that staunch supporter of free trade and free markets, the publication The Economist, felt compelled to admit that in many respects the British system is superior to ours. Hannity also claims the citizens of other nations are unhappy with their health care systems. Yet, in a recent poll, 87% of Canadians said their health care system is better than ours. And whatever changes do need to be made, Canadians favor a public solution. Over in Great Britain, the NHS, the National Health Service, is so popular that the head of the British Conservative Party felt compelled to proclaim that Conservatives are the party of the NHS. This was to counter the claims of a rogue member of that party on American television that the NHS was a 60-year-old mistake. You can probably guess where on American television he made that claim. Yup, on Hannity. To sum this all up, the picture the right paints doesn't compute. If these universal coverage systems were as presented by the right wing, then it would be impossible for their citizens to live longer and for them to be having less infants dying than we do. Their citizens should be dying in the streets. Yet, they actually do better than us by many measures. As the situation now stands, it's the United States which has the lowest life expectancy and the highest infant mortality rate of any developed nations. And these other countries often spend as little as half as much per person as we do. Imagine if we had only half the money we did to spend on health care. How bad would our system be? 
and imagine if they had double the funds available. They'd be making house calls with gold-plated MRI machines. So, any time a right-winger starts complaining about any other country's universal health care system, they don't cover this and they don't do that, about breast cancer treatments, for example, you can point out that, even if true, that's because they only spend half what we do per person. If they had double the money, our level of spending, they certainly would cover this and do that, and a heck of a lot more, beyond what we do, given how much more effective they are in getting a bang from their health care buck. Okay, before a musical interlude is upon us, a few quick rebuttals to some miscellaneous right-wing talking points. Right-wingers claim the experience of Massachusetts is evidence of a universal coverage failure. Not so. A respected nonpartisan research group concluded that the Massachusetts program has been a success, with the usual adjustments having to be made as with any new plan. Related to that, Hannity often rants about how Medicare is bankrupt. How can we trust the government with our health care? Reality check. In the last 10 years, health insurance companies more than doubled their premiums. So the insurance companies massively increased their revenue stream. Have Medicare taxes doubled? No. Have appropriations for Medicare doubled? No. As a listener wrote, Medicare can only go bankrupt when Congress underfunds it. Another false claim. Democratic health care reforms will hurt small businesses. Fact is, the vast majority of small businesses are exempt from the reform. And the ones that are covered? Both the Congressional Budget Office and a respected MIT researcher concluded they would not be hurt and would likely benefit. Lastly, Frank Luntz has been claiming doctor payments would be reduced so you won't be able to get procedures done. Luntz, as is so often the case, is wrong. Payments actually are increased by the proposed legislation, which is why the AMA endorsed that aspect of the bill. In a moment, perhaps the most absurd right-wing claim of all. Stick around. Your one-minute voting report. It's important to me to grow the Blast the Right audience. I think my brand of progressive advocacy can help shape the debate in a positive way. iTunes is the primary gateway for people searching for podcasts. You can help increase Blast the Right's visibility on iTunes by writing a five-star review for Blast the Right in the iTunes Music Store or by simply clicking a five-star rating. You only have to do it once. It stays up there forever countering the right-wing one-star sabotage reviews. If you've already done so, many thanks. If not, now would be a great time. Over at Podcast Alley, where voting starts anew each month, we finished August at number five nationally. This month, there are a bunch of new shows with huge audiences vying for the top ten. So, we need to increase our vote total there substantially. So how about going over to Podcast Alley as well and showing your support for Blast the Right? Voting only takes about 10 seconds. I do appreciate your support. Thanks. I have to tell you, I literally break out laughing at the absurdity of hearing right-wingers fashioning themselves as the defenders of Medicare, 
against the evil Democrats whose health care reform will destroy that program. The right has been opposing efforts to provide health care for all Americans ever since FDR first considered it and Truman formally proposed national health insurance in 1945. The right called it socialism back then also. The right used the same tactics in its opposition to Medicare. In fact, this is, logically speaking, much ado about nothing. The right would have you believe that the new health care bill, once enacted, would be some kind of irresistible force, an unchangeable monster that would destroy Medicare. I think a simple way to allay any senior fears is to point out that Democrats are the creators and multi-decade defenders of Medicare. If the Democratic health care reform did somehow wind up hurting Medicare, Democrats would simply fix the law. It's only Republicans who want to destroy Medicare. More on that later. Now, how about I talk to you a bit on the death panel front, which is what right-wingers term creation of advanced directives and end-of-life counseling. It turns out that a leading conservative Republican, Senator Johnny Isaacson, actually himself put a provision in a bill that would set up a government program to pay for just such end-of-life counseling. And until recently, Newt Gingrich and Sarah Palin supported people creating advanced directives, which set guidelines for a person's medical care if they're incapacitated or comatose. How quickly the right changes its tune if it thinks it can score them political points. What a shame, since studies show that end-of-life counseling actually produces longer life and more comfort. Related to the right-wing death panel claim is their assertion that the Democrats support a death book which urges ill veterans to commit suicide. Of course, the Veterans Administration booklet in question does no such thing. And contrary to what I heard Sean Hannity claim, George W. Bush didn't withdraw the booklet only to have Obama reactivate it. The booklet was available throughout Bush's entire term. But somehow the right didn't complain about it then. You may have heard the right attacking Rahm Emanuel's brother, Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel. He's a special health care advisor to President Obama. The right has taken a few words he's written, where he's actually describing the views of others, and made it seem that Dr. Emanuel favors denying care to the disabled. Actually, his lifelong views are the opposite. He's long been an opponent of euthanasia and assisted suicide. How about we now get into a few examples of what I must label, honestly, right-wing imbecility. One of my favorites is what the conservative Investor's Business Daily publication wrote, quote, People such as scientist Stephen Hawking wouldn't have a chance in the UK where the National Health Service would say the life of this brilliant man, because of his physical handicaps, is essentially worthless, close quote. Hmm... Only problem is, Stephen Hawking is a British citizen and has lived his entire life there, and praises the care he's gotten. Another jaw-dropper is right-wing media stars proudly playing this 1961 clip from Ronald Reagan. Write those letters now, call your friends and tell them to write them. If you don't, this program, I promise you, will pass just as surely as the sun will come up tomorrow. And behind it will come other federal programs that will invade every area of freedom as we have known it in this country. Until, one day, as Norman Thomas said, we will awake to find that we have socialism. And if you don't do this, and if I don't do it, one of these days, you and I 
are going to spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. The cons are maybe kind of tone deaf since Reagan was here harshly advocating against a legislative forerunner of Medicare. Wait a minute. I thought the right is claiming to now be the protector of Medicare. I'm confused. Mr. or Ms. Right-Winger, can you please help set me straight? Moving right along here, we all know that watching Fox News makes you less likely to know the true facts. For example, 75% of Fox viewers versus only 30% of MSNBC and CNN viewers are under the misapprehension that under Obama's health care reform, the government will be able to pull the plug on grandma. But right-wing imbecility extends far beyond Fox viewers, apparently. A new poll found that 39% of Americans believe the government should stay out of Medicare. Another 15% are insure. So that means over half the country doesn't know Medicare is a government program. What an indictment this is of our schools and of our corporate mass media. But it also makes you wonder, is our population just dumber than the population of any other nation on the face of the earth? Do these people think Medicare is a private company? Many of the 54% have to be elderly on Medicare. Do they have memories of writing out and sending a premium check every year to some Medicare Corporation, Inc.? Okay, here are two points raised by listeners. David from Maine wrote in that he was told by some right-wing whippersnapper, oh, the passions of youth, that there aren't really 50 million uninsured. Why, over half are illegal immigrants. I'd reply, fine, if the problem's so small, then it should be easy to fix, shouldn't it? Beyond that, the actual numbers are these. The best estimate is 47 million uninsured. Some are only for part of a year, but tens of millions are uninsured for entire years, and almost 20 million have been uninsured for four straight years. Of the 13 million young adults without insurance, most are not, as the right claims, those who can afford it but choose not to buy coverage. The majority are lower income. Same overall, two-thirds of the uninsured earn less than the national median income. Oh yeah, about the illegals? About six million, one in eight of the uninsured, are undocumented immigrants, not half. And they're not eligible for health insurance subsidies under the proposed legislation. Another email. Jim from Bakersfield, California, wrote in about right-wing criticism of the Democrats for not supporting a bill requiring members of Congress to sign up for the public option. Jim correctly wrote that, quote, it would be contrary to fundamental fairness to compel members who vote for a bill to participate in a plan which is optional for the rest of the country, close quote. But he felt that still, quote, the best publicity you could have for the bill would be to have the whole of the Democratic Party sign up for the option and show the rest of America that there's nothing to fear. Close quote. I agree with both of Jim's points. By the way, contrary to what the right is claiming, most polls still show more of the public supports a public plan option than doesn't, although the amount of support has declined over the months as right-wing propaganda takes its toll. Up next, we'll conclude with some ways to take the offensive when speaking with your friendly local right-winger, and then take a look at the biggest picture.
Stay tuned. My girlfriend doesn't call people names. She doesn't think that liberals are insane. My girlfriend is not emboldened by her looks. My girlfriend does not write hateful books. But she can cook. So I guess my girlfriend is no Ann Coulter. My girl has a soul, sir. She got no chips on her shoulder. And I thank God that she's no Ann Coulter. I don't know about you, but I get awful tired of responding to one after another after another right-wing distortion, half-truth, or outright lie. So, right off the bat, or if not then, whenever you get a chance, go on the offensive. Let the right-winger be the one trying to disprove what you're saying. And you know what? They won't be able to. Here's some ammo to go on the offensive with. Have at least two or three at your fingertips. To start off with, here's a gentle one. Ask your rightward-leaning conversation partner, do you know the difference between socialized medicine and single-payer? I guarantee you, most right-wingers don't. Well, you explain it to them and give Medicare as an example of single-payer. This may well establish a frame around your conversation that you know what you're talking about, that you understand some basic facts about the healthcare debate, and they don't. Here's another. You right-wingers will be aware of the fact that over 6 in 10 personal bankruptcies are due to medical bills. And the vast majority of these people had health insurance, obviously inadequate insurance. In other words, hundreds of thousands of Americans are forced into bankruptcy every year by the costs of their health care. What is the right-wing solution to that? Press for an answer. You can then up the ante. Ask them if they know that the United States is last among all developed nations in life expectancy. Ask them if they know that we have the worst record as well in infant mortality. They probably don't know either fact. Then pose the question, how could we have the best health care system in the world if our adults die younger and our babies die more often? Mention that every developed nation that beats us has universal health care. And every one of those countries spends far less, often half as much, on health care per person as we do. Again, challenge them to tell you how they propose to fix our obviously broken system. You can, if you want, next translate all this into human lives. Tell the right-winger that if our shamefully high infant mortality rate were as low as, say, Japan's or Sweden's, 12,000 American children would live, not die, every year. That the National Institute of Medicine says 18,000 Americans die every year because of lack of health insurance. And that 100,000 Americans would live, not die, every year if our health care system did as good on preventable deaths due to treatable conditions as the health care systems in countries like Japan, France, and Australia. Does he or she care? What does he or she propose to do about this? Now, the next step is when the stammering right-winger starts spewing out platitudes like free market, tax credits, etc., tell them that vague platitudes don't cut it when people's lives are at stake. For example, 
How specifically will their measures cover the uninsured? The so-called free market is what got us into this mess. Tax credits are irrelevant to low-income workers who pay little or no federal income tax and when health care coverage can cost $12,000 plus for a family of four. At this point, you may well feel inclined to deftly insert the ideological knife. Tell them what Reagan said about Medicare back in 1961, that it was going to destroy all our freedoms. Ask, was Reagan wrong about that? Medicare leading to a loss of all our freedoms? If so, well then, isn't it possible, even likely, that current-day right-wingers are just as wrong now? That a single-payer public option will work out just fine? That maybe even Medicare for all would be just peachy keen dandy? On the other hand, if they insist Reagan was correct in opposing Medicare, then ask why their side is now posing as the defenders of Medicare against the Democrats. The Republicans can't have it both ways. Okay, this last point is the biggie. Listen to Democratic Representative Anthony Weiner of New York on Joe Scarborough's show. Look, the problem that we have here is we're trying to jerry-rig this system so that insurance companies still continue to make healthy profits. Why? What is an insurance company? They don't do a single checkup. They don't do a single exam. They don't perform an operation. Medicare has a 4% overhead rate. Insurance companies take about $230 billion out of the system every year in profits and overhead. They, the real question is why we have a private plan. The private insurance industry is really just a giant Rube Goldberg-like payment mechanism skimming as much as 31% off the top for administrative costs. The government is very capable of creating and utilizing actuarial tables to figure out how much revenue has to be collected to pay for the number of claims expected to be paid out. We don't need multi-billion dollar profits diverted from being used to provide actual health care. Nor do we need huge bureaucracies devoted to denying claims and canceling policies, or huge advertising budgets, or payments of dividends to stockholders, or multi-million, sometimes tens or even hundreds of million dollar compensation packages for CEOs. Okay, this is an argument for national single-payer, Medicare for all, for the entire system. But how much more so does it apply to the necessity of at least offering a public option if we can't get full single-payer now? If it's your want, you can also try a bit of humor. Send the right-winger to the One Million Strong Against Our Socialist Fire Department website. Reading from that site, a bit rearranged for clarity, quote, For too long now, fire departments across the United States have been socialist organizations, resulting in taxes on the American people. Fact, most Americans never use the socialized services of the fire department. We have the best fire departments in the world, but that doesn't mean that anyone, even non-U.S. citizens, should be able to dial up and have fires put out. It's time to open the fire department up to private industry. There are private companies, Halliburton, etc., who could step in tomorrow and take over every fire department in America and charge the consumer directly. This is America. No free fire safety. Close quote. The serious point is, we have socialist fire, police roads, public schools, water. If citizenship entitles you to police, fire, roads, education, and water... How is medical care to save your very life less important or less appropriate? 
health care should be seen not as a privilege, but as a right, like it is in every other developed nation on the face of the earth. Why are we so morally backward? The ultimate problem is the multi-billion dollar profit health insurance industry that's grown up and along the way so far successfully propagandized for its own continued existence. I don't want my government designing and making iPods. Apple does that far better. But to repeat, health insurance companies do nothing more than perform a bookkeeping function. The government will do it at least as well and far, far cheaper. You may be happy to hear that there's starting to be some strong progressive blowback against the anti-public option forces. Labor unions have warned Democrats that they won't be supported by labor come next election if they don't vote now for a strong public option. Sixty progressive House Democrats signed a letter pledging that any health care reform bill without a strong public option won't get their support. Representative Weiner recently stated up to a hundred Democrats would actually oppose any plan without a strong public option. So, let's finally, you and I, together with other progressives around the country, let's all together finally drag the right wing into the 21st century. You can go to callcongress.org for toll-free numbers, or you can reach the Congressional Switchboard at 202-224-3121 and the White House comment line at 202-456-1111. It's getting close to now or never. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right. Vote for Blast the Right at Podcast Alley and write a five-star review for Blast the Right in the iTunes Music Store. Thanks to Ellen in Kansas City for help with this week's show. A special action alert about Honduras. Call the State Department at 202-647-5171 and ask for Secretary Clinton. Deliver the following message. Legally define the de facto regime in Honduras as a military coup and cut off all aid to Honduras until President Zelaya is unconditionally reinstated. Also call the White House at 202-456-1111 and repeat the same message. And now a word from another progressive podcaster. What is it about working men and women that drives you Republicans crazy? When does the greed stop? What is the price? Challenge corporate power. Damn what's wrong with people in this country. Say hell no until these weak-kneed Democrats end this war. I you pigs, you pigs. This first step is a step right off a cliff. The best of the left podcast. He's a liar. He's a thug. He's a punk. One word. Katrina! this country, sir. You claim to defend it. Pathetic. You can't claim support for our troops without supporting their mission, Mr. Speaker. God, that is so dishonest on so many levels. All those people who died on 9-11, and you guys want to use 9-11 as an excuse to do everything you want, attack Iraq and Iran, to people that have absolutely nothing to do with 9-11? Don't you dare talk about 9-11, please. This election is our chance to give the American people a reason to believe again. It is time now for Barack Obama. Imagine This American Life meets progressive talk radio. Each week we choose a political theme and bring you a variety of stories on that theme. Only at bestoftheleft.com. Music credits. The break music was L.A. Nightmare by 22 Caliber, Not the One Blues by Bernsheet Thornside, and My Girlfriend is No Ann Coulter by Lucky Man Clark.
We'll close with a little bit of an oldie but a goodie. Clinton is to blame by the Freedom Toast. Links to all the music I play on Blasterite can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. I'm also now posting transcripts of each show. All of these are linked to off the main podcast homepage. I love getting your email. My address is rational at roadrunner.com. As always, I'm still catching up, but I do read every email and respond to everyone. You can also leave a message for me to play on Blast the Right. Just dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. Another way to leave a message is on Skype. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. (laughs) 